Growing a Counseling Ministry in the Local Church on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I have with me a dear brother, so much fun to be around. I appreciate him in relationship, but also in his teaching. And today we get to talk about one of those teachings, Brad Bigney. He's a pastor with the Evangelical Free Church of America. He holds an MDiv from Columbia Biblical Seminary. He's certified ACBC counselor. He's a conference speaker. He's the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship since 1996. He's the author of Gospel Treason, a book that I think all of you should probably get and read if you've not done so already. He and his wife, Vicki, have been married for 36 years. They have five adult children. Brad, I'm so grateful that you're here again on the podcast to talk about counseling in local church. Yeah. Thank you, Dale. It's a passion. Yeah. Amen. And listen, I had to say um, the people out there may not know this, but what you guys do at Grace Fellowship, I think, is just absolutely tremendous. You've built even the book that I wrote, The Church is a Culture of Care. You guys have built what I'm trying to describe. And the way that you guys do things, I just I'm so encouraged when I see, you know, the things that you all are doing and the ways in which you're just being creative in how you minister to people and the haven that your church is for so many who are broken and hurting. So I want to start into this talking about counseling ministry in local church. Uh, what got you thinking about how to grow counseling in the local church? Well, I'll spare the the initial story of how I got excited about biblical counseling for the sake of time. It was getting biblical counseling myself. But shortly thereafter, probably within two years, I finished my MDiv and thought, you know what? I think I want to plant a church and uh, because it's so hard to take an existing church and turn it. So actually, my hat's off to any guy who turns an existing church. I think that's harder. So we, you know, we had it hard. The offices in my basement, we're meeting in schools. I'm breaking down cafeteria chairs, but guess what? No one can say we've never done it that way. But when I went, I had more in mind than just the gospel and a good kids program. I thought, I want us to do that thing that I just became aware of that I didn't learn in seminary. Not a word, not a whisper about this biblical counseling. And I said, I want it to be at the heart of the church, that we don't just preach a big God, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if you have a problem, we'll sit down with you in the trenches. So I just started wording it. Wouldn't you like to know how to help a real person with a real problem using your Bible? I just said it over and over. And I made it clear to everybody, if you've got a friend, bring them. But here's what I did. I said, sure, I'll meet with your friend, your hairdresser, your, your mechanic, your coworker, but you got to come with them because I wanted my people to see what I was doing. And so we started with 35 adults, but I just started trying to get my elders and my leaders to buy into this. Let's be a church that biblical counseling is not this thing attached to the side. I see it as the hub and every spoke, student ministry, children's ministry, women's ministry, everything else flows from that in some form. I love it because it's about discipleship. That's certainly true. Yeah. You know, I, I want to take a second, not gloss over this, there are so many pastors, I would guarantee, listening right now who are hearing, they're going to hear what you're going to say about your church and the things, and they want that. They've never been introduced to biblical counseling, but you said that you, you went through biblical counseling and the Lord began to change your life. And, and I'll just say, you know, we've talked about the pandemic and how difficult things are for pastors. Some of you guys, I think it would be a good opportunity for you to, to, to meet with someone, to be able to talk through some of the issues that you're wrestling with. You're not encouraged enough. That's certainly true. And 
I'm sure you've made some mistakes. There's no question about it, but being engaged with somebody who can just help you walk through, you know, uh, encourage you about how God thinks biblically, how you can correct the things that may need to be corrected in you, how you can be encouraged to continue leading the church that you're in. And you may be in, introduced to biblical counseling in such a way that, that turns the lights on for you relative to how the church can become involved and become that culture of care, Brad, that you're going to describe here. So obviously there are challenges. We're dealing with people. Uh, we're a part of that yeah. challenge as well. Uh, what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys faced along the way as you tried to get this whole yeah. ministry going? through? The, the two biggest challenges that I ran into immediately, and it didn't startle me. I knew I was going to face it. And so it's okay, is we have a culture that sees counseling as a, an area of specialty. When you say the word expert, people think that's counseling. You might mess somebody up. So two things I faced is having people actually get their head around, you mean a pastor is qualified to help me? On the other side, you know, to, to get other people to even think that they could do it uh, was, a, was a real challenge. But I just gave it time. And I just kept talking this way because the proof is in the pudding. You know, when people are hurting enough, usually they'd already played out their other kind of counseling, ran out of their insurance, and they come. And the biggest brochure was not a glass, glossy brochure I put together. It was a, a changed life. That person starts talking. You can't get them to stop talking. And people just start coming saying, hey, my friend told me da 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 but getting over the hurdle of in your own mind thinking, can I do this? Will I harm people? What if I don't know? And I think something I want people to understand is it is okay. I still do it to say, I don't know, but I'll, I'll try to find out. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I could always bring it back to what I did know. I did never face a situation where I said, I don't know anything at all about what I think I should say to you. Once they were okay with thinking, you mean your pastor could do this? My second hurdle was, but only he can do this. So people would grab me on a Sunday and say, oh my goodness, I feel like I can relate to you. I hear you preach. You're so honest. We'll meet with you. Well, after a while, I was not a full-time counselor. I was the pastor. It was a church plant. I was playing my guitar. I was answering the phone. I was leading the small groups. I was training leaders. And so I've got some other people I'm raising up. It was very hard you know, there's kind of a pecking order. I barely think I can go to you, Pastor, but I'm, you mean, I'm going to go to this guy that he runs a trucking industry at, during the week and he's going to counsel me. But same thing, Dale. Biggest promo is two or three times a year we do testimony services, just put microphones in the aisle and say, go. I know it's a risk, but in, in 27 years, I've had three stupid things happen. So it's worth it because so much good happens. Who do you think goes to the microphone? people whose lives have been changed. And it was so powerful when they're in the middle of saying, here's what we were going through. And I'm leading the service and everybody expects them to say, and so we met with Brad and they turn around and point to a couple sitting there and saying, we met with Bill and Carol and you could feel it. You mean Bill and Carol in our church can, and it just starts to get traction. Man, that's so encouraging to me. And you know, you're, you're facing so many challenges. And one of those, as you mentioned, is sort of that professional mentality. And some people may have this idea that, you know, when you start counseling ministry, that's going to be sort of a leech on the church and it's going to be something that, that, you know, may grow itself, but how is it going to really impact the church? Because I see it in my mind as being separate. Well, that's not what we're talking about at all. I want you to describe a little bit of how you've seen the existence of this vibrant counseling ministry really impact the ministry of your church. Oh my goodness, Dale. I, I could talk for hours on that alone. 
Guys don't realize if you are a church leader and you're listening, it informs your preaching. So as you start to sit in the trenches instead of just in your office with your amazing books, I love preparing sermons too, but people say to me all the time, it's like you are in my home this week. Well, A, there's a Holy Spirit. B, if you're counseling, then you know, oh my goodness, people struggle with identity. Oh my goodness, people struggle to understand what grace really is. Oh my goodness, people struggle with bitterness and forgiveness. You really don't have an awareness of where your people are if you aren't counseling. And as you do, your preaching sounds different. You start to really break it down. And one of the questions I always have as I'm preaching is, but how? But how would I live that out? When you counsel, you realize I've got to break it down. How? And so that was tremendous. And then guess what? People come to faith in Christ through counseling. We've never done a big fall festival would throw a beanbag in Jonah's whale's mouth or give away a TV. People would say, how have you grown? I mean, we went from 35 adults to just like, boom, 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 boom. And it is God. He is sovereign. But I do believe biblical counseling has been a part of that, that people have been saved and people have been grounded more. And when you understand the power of the gospel, not to just save you, but to change you, and they begin to reach out to other people, it's just contagious. So this is so not a drain on the church. This has been a huge piece of why we grew, why lives were changed, and why the community began to say, who is this church? Because like you indicated already, biblical counseling to me is intense discipleship. So we've got our normal discipleship groups in homes, but when someone goes off the rails and is stuck, they can kill a group. So we just spin them off, and it's one-on-one -on -one discipleship until they can get back into a normal river of discipleship. But it's just, it's discipleship. Yeah, and you see, you talk about people coming to faith, but you talk about the you're modeling part of this ministry, but you're also encouraging other people to engage in this type of ministry. And you think about the growth that they have in their ministry and making more mature people as they then disciple others. What an impact it has. Now, pastors are out there. I'm sure they're listening and they're hearing the excitement here. They probably heard a story, a story maybe similar, and, and they're looking for things like this, man, biblically. How do, we, how do we impact the church? What do you say to the pastor who would love to see something like this develop in this church? You got to, and Dale's not paying me to say this, but you got to hitch your wagon to somebody who's going to help you. So when I say people turn and point to a couple, it's not like, oh, I met with that couple twice and said, go do it. You got to hitch your wagon to where can I get my people trained? And I think ACBC is the best. There's CCF, there's IBCD, there's a hundred different acrostics, but I think ACBC does the best job of breaking it down 30 hours of the fundamentals. How do you give hope? How do you build involvement? How do you, you know? And so I started by the grace of God, I'm Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. And I learned in Lafayette, Indiana was a huge church doing a, a February training so figure out what's close to you. And the beauty of COVID is we all learned online. So like right now, ACBC is doing a bunch of online stuff. You may be in Podunk, Wyoming, but if you and three elders from your church and two deacons want to make the time for it, you can find online training to get through the 30 hours of fundamentals. You've got to have a foundation. But once someone had that, then I take them and say, all right, observe, observe. So I am always counseling with someone observing who's already been through the training. And then they see from beginning to end, and, and I chat with them a little before and after, and then we start them. 
But even when we were just 100 people, I want this pastor to hear, whoever's listening, I got three people to go with me one year, but I beat the bushes. I begged and pleaded, and I got a, a copy repairman, a single mom, and somebody else, and they came back so excited saying, this is the best stuff I've ever heard. So the next year I had eight, and then 15, and then 23. So figure out where you're going to get the training. Then you start doing it, pastor. So I know it's scary, but you can do it. So I went for my leaders first, elders, deacons, godly women, student ministry volunteers that run a co-grow, a little group of students. You know, who is impacting people? And sometimes there's someone in your church that doesn't have a title, but they are a mover shaker. You know who they are. If you can get them on board, and I've never had someone come back from any of this kind of training saying, eh, they say, wow, where has this been? And when you get the right people in your church saying, wow, you start to get traction. Yeah. And let me just say this. I, I see this across the board, Brad, and you being uh, you know, a pastor, one of the pastors there, and your excitement about it makes your church excited about it. But then we also have you know, lay people who are trained. They, they understand biblical counseling. They're excited about the things that they're learning. But what do you say to the lay people who are excited, would love to see this happening in their own church? And you're a pastor. How do they help get something like that going? Now, here's a very different approach. So if you're a leader, you're an elder, you're a pastor, you're an associate pastor, then what Dale touched on, oh, if you can champion it, huge traction. If you're a lay person, here's what I want you to hear. Don't lose your excitement, but just recognize the best thing you can do is just start doing it. And I don't know of any leaders that aren't interested in changed lives. When they see, they'll come ask you, but here's what I want you to not do. Do not scoop up a bunch of books and DVDs and stuff and run to your pastor and tell him he's missing it. You've got to do this because listen to me, I've been a pastor 36 years. I've got a stack on my desk and it's something about Israel and it's something about creationism. It is some, everybody has their issue and that's how he hears it. This is one more issue and I'm missing it, and they're not going to read your book. They're not going to look at it. It's offensive. That's not how to do it. So don't pummel your pastor with, you got to do this. You're missing it. Now, if you have a relationship and can have a conversation, be very gracious and go slow. I like to say to church planters and lay people, people overestimate what can happen in a year. They go back and they're like, we got to get this up and running in a year and underestimate what God could do in three to five I know that might have just taken the wind out of your sails, but three to five. I was talking to someone in the airport last night who's here with her husband. He's only been at the church three years, and they're just now trying to get it going. And she said, and she's wise. She said, I know this may take 10 years. I said, you're right. But they brought 10 people to a conference to hear this, like I was saying, to go back excited. Here's how I'd say it to you. Don't stay excited alone. So even if you're a lay person, you may have influence. Even if the pastor doesn't want to hear about it or the elders, is there someone else that would say, oh, wow, what are you doing? Just begin to do what you're doing and talk to people that are interested, but do not go after your pastor. They'll just hear it as white noise. Yeah, you're right, because they're pulled in a thousand directions. Brad, listen, this has been so helpful to think about the local church and what God can do in the local church. And we're not we're not creating anything innovative. What we're saying is just biblically, how do we minister well to people? How do we, as a body, do this type of work? And then the results that you see are tremendous in the way the church is impacted and you're reproducing 
disciples who want them to disciple others and care for others well. Praise the Lord for what's happening at, at Grace Fellowship. Thank the Lord for you and your work there for so many years. And the testimony the Lord's given you is wonderful. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. And even as we've talked about building a biblical counseling ministry, I can't think of a better place to learn how to do that than finding one of our training centers and getting connected. And you can find out uh, where all of our training centers are located, the people who lead those training centers at our website, biblicalcounseling.com. I can't think of a better place for so many of you to go, one of our largest training centers, and and some of you have been to training there at Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana. We're actually going to be there this week exhibiting. I'm going to be speaking. Lots of people, Steve Vires and Rob Green and their whole team are going to be speaking, leading several tracks, uh, as they often do, on training in biblical counseling. We're exhibiting there, and if you're going to be there, if you're one of the over 2,000 people who plan to be at the conference, we would love to say hello and love to shake your hand to talk a little bit more about ACBC, to hear your story about how you've become certified or you're in process of certification, stop by our booth and come say hello. Uh, We would love to chat more with you about biblical counseling and about our organization, ACBC, and how you can become certified. And if you're not going to faith, you can find more out about our certification at biblicalcounseling.com.